Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christu. That you may have life in his name. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this has been a very eventful week in the liturgy because we had the Feast of the Transfiguration. I gave a little short sermon that day so we couldn't keep the people away from their work. But it's good to stay away from work and pray, you know. And uh, lots going on in the world, which is scary. And this big bombing in Lebanon, and it's one of the few places there's been sort of a very difficult piece. But if you look at a map, you see just north of there is Damascus, and that comes down. And of course, it's one of the places our Lord preached, like St. Paul preached there. And uh, that comes down along the shore, and you wind up in the Holy Land, and there's the disputed lands there between the Arabs. And um, so it's a very hot spot, and we should pray for peace there, because if that fires up much more, who knows what's going to happen. It's very difficult to live with this. So our, our president warned us, and I believe him. These people, these different Muslim organizations, we're fighting with each other. And uh, it's going to take a miracle of grace to make some peace over there. But we believe in miracles. We are Christians. Now, we get a hint in the gospel how to deal with these problems because the disciples went out and they were casting, couldn't cast out certain demons. Now, Jesus did not um, castigate them. He said These, this type can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. So I guess there are some demons that are tougher to deal with than others. And a few years ago, about two years ago, we had an exorcist here talk about dealing with demons, but he wasn't that uh, explicit as he should have been. But, you know, I hear people say to me once in a while, they have demons in their lives. And they're telling me is that they have propensities and sins and things that they have a hard time dealing with. And they think it's because of the devils, and it very well may be. Very well may be, because demons are everywhere. But they affect our lives, you know. You can be just uh, minding your own business and having a beautiful day, and nothing's bothering you particularly happy, the sun's shining, the garden's growing, the kids are behaving, 
There's money in the house, all those things that make people secure. And all of a sudden, you get a thought out of the blue, just shot right into your mind, which is a very naughty thought. And you say, well, well what wanted that? Well, you were just too happy to keep the devil happy. And the Slavs, my grandfather, we could sometimes, and you'll see it too, he, he would see it, it would be outdoors, it would be, the sun would be shining, but it would be raining. And my grandfather said, well, the devil's fighting with his wife. Well, I don't know if that was true or not, but what he was saying is that that day's a mixture. And he blamed that on the evil spirits. I didn't know the devil was married. I mean, stands the reason. He has to have somebody to torment him, but I shouldn't have said that. Apparently, they don't get along together. Now, do we get along with the demons in our life? And not really. We don't want those demons. And we're, some of them have, we have what you call recidivism. We, the moral books say we return to our sins. It's just like it says in scripture, the dog returns to his vomit to eat. Well, I don't like that idea, but I've seen dogs do things like that. We try to keep them away from that. But we have that problem. So sometimes we're tempted and we think how bad off we are and that we have a right to give in to our temptations. But we don't. We're baptized, we're chrismated, and the only thing we have a right to do is live the gospel. And Christ tells us in the epistle today that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So sometime you ask yourselves, why don't I make more progress in the interior life? Well, if you live a life, a sinful life, you chase the Holy Spirit far from you. And the gospel or the epistle today says, the Holy Spirit comes and, and gives us gifts. But if we're living a sinful life, un, unpleasing to God, the Spirit goes away. Not only that, it, brings, uh, it makes the saints unhappy. And it makes your patron saint unhappy. And it makes, you know, you're not thinking. You've got to think about what life is about. It's really not what goes on day to day, but ultimately, the, that when we die, what's our adjustment going to be? And two or three places in the Bible, it tells us, you go to heaven with your works in your hand. The good things you've done, and they're going to judge you by your works, not necessarily by your temptations or your failures, but your good works, the things you've done, and you're trying. Now, one of those good works is to resist temptation. 
It's easy enough to give in to your temple. It's easy enough to give in to passions. It's easy enough to soak yourself in pride. Well, I'm as good as that person, or I don't do that. And don't deceive yourself. Try to have humility. Ask God to help you. So how do we ask God to help us? Is by prayer and fasting. So there's little things you can do, like don't eat between meals or skip a meal. Of course, you should also fast now because we're getting ready for the Domitian, so we don't eat meat on Wednesday and Friday. In the monastery, we're just not eating meat now, getting ready for the Dormition fast. How, does, how do monks learn to live their life? They fast. We keep the fast strictly. And we have Brother Pater, the cook, he watches over us so that we don't do too don't eat the wrong things. But of course, we have feast days and then we have a little something extra. But not necessarily meat because we're not eating meat for these days. And uh, maybe we'll have some dairy or something. Other days, we keep a strict fast during this time. In Lent, all the days are strict fast. Well, how does that affect you? It teaches you something. You learn to discipline yourself. And you open yourself to the Holy Spirit by not having giving into serious temptations. And though our fasting may be just a little thing, it teaches the will. And so when a temptation comes along, it's a big temptation, you've trained your will to say, nope, no, I'm not going to do that. Somebody makes you mad. I'm not going to let that person have that power over me to make me angry. That's to cooperate with the devil. I'm going to resist that temptation. I'm not going to let that person get me upset. Takes me away from prayer, from peace in my life, and from and, and problems in time of temptation. Now, everybody goes to confession. It's a wonderful gift. Jesus Christ has given the apostles, like Matthias, who was selected to replace Judas the traitor. He actually apostles, you can read about it. They chose lots. These apostles amongst us, the priests and the bishops, they're the apostolic community amongst us. They're ordained for that. They're different. They can forgive our sins. Jesus said in John's Gospel, on the night of the resurrection, he appeared to them, whose sins you are forgive, they are forgiven, whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. And to Peter, he gave the king keys to the kingdom. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about when we get discouraged with ourselves. 
and we have to go to confession. And we don't go to confession because we're perfect. We tell our sins and we ask for, ask the, for penance. And actually, we can do penance for other people. In the monastery, we do that. I had one priest friend, all during Lent, he prayed for a particular priest who had left the priesthood. He prayed and fasted for 40 days and he returned. Amazing. Well, anyway, we go to confession. And it's wonderful because our sins are forgiven. We have a clean slate. But doesn't mean we could just go out and not live a disciplined life so that those things don't overtake us. Now, in the monastery, we live a disciplined life. So people come to visit, and they, were, they say certain things to us. They say, well, it's very peaceful here. Of course, we live in a peaceful area. They say to us, you know, it's nice to be around you. And we don't tell them that sometimes we're not as patient with each other as we should be. Or we pop off. We don't tell them that. They just are living with us and they experience that peace. Where does that peace come from in the soul? From the inviting of the Holy Spirit in us. And that means in this gospel that inviting of the Holy Spirit in us with his gifts requires prayer and fasting. So Sometimes when I go to confession, I say to the priest, I apologize to God for any way I have interfered with the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, what is the Holy Spirit's work in your life? It's to keep you on the track, to give you gifts of prayer and love and faith those theological virtues, to get you to heaven. Why has Christ given us the Blessed Sacrament, the food for the journey to get us to heaven? I've been reading a lot about um, the beauty of God and how people thought about it in the early church from these primitive books. We still have some. Enoch and things like that. Not all the books found their way into the Bible. And there's probably books that uh, in the Bible we haven't found, like uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found an old copy of Isaiah. Magnificent stuff. And I read these books and I th think about this time of year, like the Transfiguration. Jesus Christ was preparing to die on the cross. He didn't want everybody to get upset, because it would have, then we should be upset, but he was afraid, you know, how will they face this when they're left alone? Will they have courage 
And one of my favorite Gospels is the road to Emmaus. And um, Peter, James, and John are walking along, and this stranger comes up to them. They don't recognize him. And they said they're walking away from Jerusalem. So they said to him, did you know about the wonderful things about Jesus Christ? How he came amongst us and now they've crucified him? And he is our, the women of our company have told us they've seen him, that he is risen. And they were probably right, rushing back to Jerusalem. This great gift is faith in the resurrection. And all of a sudden he says, don't you recognize me? And the most important part of that gospel is he says, he had a meal with them and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. He gave them the Holy Eucharist. It's what the early Christians called the Eucharist, the breaking of the bread, Acts the Apostles. So we have this gift too, bread from heaven. I like to think about our Blessed Lady when she was in the temple and a little girl there, angels came and fed her. She was sewing. She worked on the veil that was hung in the temple in Jerusalem. Then she became a mother, or she came not a mother, but she came in her lady's way. She had to leave the temple. She couldn't stay there. And how the Lord fed her special in the temple by an angel. We're always fed by more than an angel. You're fed by the great angel, the angel of God, Jesus Christ. And he's feeding us in a better way with his body and blood to cooperate through prayer and fasting with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you know in the liturgy, so when you watch the priest carefully, he calls down the epiclesis, the Holy Spirit, upon the body and blood of the Lord to make the change. So even there, the Holy Spirit is active. He's always active. So people say, well, they, we have this um, spirit movement in the Catholic Church, a renewal or something. Baloney. We are the original Church of the Holy Spirit. Because he's always amongst us, doing his goodwill, helping us. Christ is always praying for us. In the beauty of his glory in the heavenly kingdom. You want to see what he looks like? Look in the early chapters of Apocalypse. It tells you he's vested in beautiful white robes. He's a flight with fire. His eyes come through his fire. His hair is all white. He's showing the Father his wounds. He's still praying for us still. He sends the Spirit. The Spirit comes from the Father through the Son, and he imparts to us these gifts 
for those who pray and fast. Isn't that enough to motivate you to pray and fast? So what about your children? Well, in America, we have the notion, you know, we should overfeed the children. We should give them whatever they want. We're destroying them. They have to learn discipline. You don't have to beat them up. All you have to do is teach them to pray and fast. Pray with them. The sisters uh, back in Ohio, they put out their last bulletin, talked about the Christian family, the ecclesiola, the little church. Ecclesiola means in Greek, the little church. Each family is a little church. Those virtues that we find, we want to find in the greater church, must be found there first. So that, that little church must be the prayer and fasting. As I was coming up, being raised, I was always attentive, I was always watching what was going on in the house how the adults were acting, how they treated each other. So if a man and wife don't get along together in the marriage, they're teaching their children bad things. Children see that. They, fi they feel that. One of the saddest confessions I ever heard, a little boy came in, I could tell you, he's crying. Huh. He's crying. I said to him, I said, why are you crying? I says, God can forgive everything. Jesus is present in the, in the confession. The priest is his right arm, but it's Christ that gives you, forgives you your sin. And he told the priest to do this. Oh, Father, he says, that's not it. Well, what, why are you crying? What did you do? Your little thing, what could you do? If my mother and father are getting divorced, it must be my fault. He's taking that guilt upon himself. Children do not want to see their parents not together. I tell young people they're looking for a wife. Don't marry into a family where there's been a lot of divorces. Marry into a family where they learn to put up with each other through prayer and fasting. The other thing about the family is uh, you see the mother and the father and his fast days are coming, Lent's coming. Mom goes out and buys special food, lentils and things, so that you can keep the, the prayer and they can fast. They add special prayers to their Lenten observance, maybe the and, and Pocloni bowing down in the icon corner. They decorate the icon corner different, getting ready for Lent. They keep the lamp burning there every day, that this is Christ's house, that the saints are with their icons. This is all prayer and fasting in the formation of the mother and father, making them good parents, and the children learning how to live the Byzantine Catholic faith.
Yes, we go to church on Sunday. We should do that. It says so in the Acts of the Apostles. They went together together on the first day of the week for the breaking of the bread. It's right there. But we should, above all, control our passions. Do not push the Holy Spirit away from our lives. To give an example to each other and to pray for our sinful brothers and sisters through prayer and fasting. When I was young, I think I had the inclination to eat too much, and I like to eat occasionally, I like it. And once in a while we have a feast, so maybe we eat a little too much. But I made a rule. I just use, fill my plate once, of course there might be other things on the table, and I don't try not to eat. Last night I had three pieces of bread, so that's, that's right. I shouldn't just add one. And um, I found in my own life that through fasting and prayer, I've been able to control my passions. Well, if I've had that experience, you can have it too. And we say to God, we love you, God. God says, then do my will. Keep the commandments. Pray and fast. Try to learn what the Father is teaching us in the gospel to live the Christian life. I remember when I was England, in England, I met a lot of Christians. They were gentlemen. And they thought being a gentleman was a Christian. But they had a double standard. They were not living Christian life. They were keeping these social um, customs. Well, that's good. But you have to do more than that, just keep the customs. You have to live them from your heart. So today, with this gospel, look in your heart. Remember what the epistle said? You are the, the church, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't upset God with you. Pray and fast and to the best of your ability. Keep your mouth shut and love one another. Because our loving each other is not a lot of charity. We do a lot of that in America. But it's being kind to your neighbor, loving your family, praying for the sinful, and above all, becoming yourself, the temple that God wants you to be. So on the last day, your body's worn out. You lay down and your spirit leaves your body. And the Lord will see you. Come into my house, the blessed of my Father. And you'll be there for all eternity where there's no pain, sorrow, or mourning. We've blessed that beyond. But life everlasting. Live for it. Not for this pain of this world. Live for it. The world is in the wrong direction. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.